Well, hey there, everyone. This is the Leadership Pour Over Podcast, and I and my co-host Aaron Kuhn and me, Jeremy, are here to actually give you guys a huge update on our personal lives. As you may have noticed, we have been gone for the podcast for a few weeks, actually about a month now, being crazy busy with some new major life transitions, and we can't wait to tell you about what's up with us, our friendship, our working environments, and our ministries. So if you are friends of the pod, if you are friends of us individually, this is a a great way to catch up with us. But also, we're excited to tell you some new updates coming from the podcast itself. So let's do it. Well, hey, Aaron. What's What's up, up, dude? Dude, what's going on? Long time no, uh, well, we've talked, but long time no. Well, we've talked, we've seen. Um, Long time no talk. A lot has changed in our world, dude. Oh my gosh. I think the last time, last podcast, I think you've done two or three without I've me. done two. Yeah. Yep. But the last one we did together, it snowed over a That's right. over a foot. And it was And we mid- did it virtually Fe- because we had to. <laughs> it was mid February. Yeah. We did it virtually for that reason. It was mid February and we announced like slowly, like, oh yeah, by the way, Aaron's leaving this ministry that we're both part of together. And that was the last time anyone heard from me. So uh, yeah, it's like, well, great. Jeremy kicked him off the pod because he left the church, which is, by the way, in every way, never going to be the case. Gave a boot. We're still great bros. Yeah, but yeah, um, a lot it, of cha- yeah. life change. So if you if you didn't know that Aaron gone through a massive life change, he is um, not just only accepted, but now in and thriving in a new ministry. So you can share with us update on that in just a second. And then me, I'm, I'm still at grace. Um, not in a negative sense at all. I'm still at grace and doing ministry, um, and love it. And so it doesn't feel like there's a lot of updates for me, but our church has actually gone through a massive restructure. So although I have the same title and the same role, the role looks dramatically different than it did just six weeks ago. Uh, I am, Far more hands-on and in the weeds than I ever was before. By far, we went from a staff of 13 to a staff of four. So that's been fun. Uh, so there's been a lot of transition for me too. But so th- this so you guys know, the, the purpose of this podcast is to, today is to truly kind of give you guys a personal update just to maybe get a better inside picture of Aaron and I's relationship, uh, which I think is always just cool to see the inside of this. And um, and for Aaron to, to share with a great excitement the amazing things that he gets to do really just down the road from us. So it's really exciting. So Aaron, just jump in and just share a little bit of what has been new for you, bro. Let's show it. Let's yeah. share it with the world. So as Jeremy said, we worked at Grace Church together for almost two years exactly, but it was like 20 months or something like that. And yep. yeah, so it actually just how the the cards fell for me is I was at a place where I was like, just like, God, you know, just renew, um, a passion within me. Where do you want me to go? I was kind of doing a lot of different, just a different area in my personal life, just like trying to do right. a lot of assessment. In fact, I was doing coaching with our old senior pastor, uh, Dave Rodriguez at Grace. And, at Grace, yeah. And all these cards aligned at once in early December um, where there's an opening at, at the church next door to my house. And literally, you see the door from, you see the church from your door. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Luckily, it's the preschool wing. So it's like not like my office I can see. So it feels like there's a little bit right. of divide, but not quite. But yeah, the church next door to my house, I uh, it went through, uh, I think I had four or five interviews. It's a little bit longer of an interview process. But um, long story short, I started March 1st as the new student pastor at East 91st Street Christian Church. And I think this last weekend was my seventh Sunday. So seventh or eighth Sunday. And I had my first parent meeting, which is wild, by the way. It's insane, man. Wild that it's it's been that long already. And in our world, you, I mean, because you're my best friend, you've known about this process since pretty much the day one. So yeah, actually the day you got the message on your watch while running. Correct. So I've been in the, I I had to keep the secret for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. So crazy story. And And, I, I believe that God leads and puts people in unusual situations, but I was actually at a place yes. where I was just actually, I run in their parking lot every single, well, I would say almost every single day. And I was in a place where I was just kind of discouraged that day. I was like, God, what's next for me? Am I where I need to be? And, um, indeed sent me a notification that said, Hey, there's an open at East 91st street Christian church as a student pastor. And I was in their parking lot and I was like, well, I am, I, I claim I'm a person of faith and I pray for a sign. I'm going to say that this might be one. <laughs> so, 
Um, didn't even need to wear like a sheep's clothing on the ground or anything like that. Like, a, right. <laughs> but it's been crazy. I actually just had my first parent meeting on Sunday night. So like the, Woo, you're in the fire now, bro. I'm in the weeds. Deep in, deep I'm, in. I'm in, I'm the guy. So it's been, so how did your first parent meeting go? Dude, it was great. Percentage wise. You actually had a chance to talk about this. Yeah. Percentage wise, I was pumped. I mean, I think we had of students there, we had over half the parents of our students. Dude, that's great. That attended on Sunday night. Um, that's were there. killer. So 50% engagement for parents is great. I have had uh 10% parents show up. Right? Before. Yeah. So, so how did that structure work? Um, again, everybody, I'm hearing the very first time with you all. So this is exciting. So you had on Sunday night, you had your typical student ministry and then a parent night in extension to that. Or was it like programming looked different because you had a parent meeting going on? Do you remember what me and you did? I don't know. Yes, two at Grace. years ago at Grace, where we did the worship. Had the it parents was actually there. two weeks before the quarantine hit. Correct. So two weeks before the, the night that the girl threw up in the middle of worship. Oh, that's right, dude. The power of the right Holy Spirit was really center. there. Yeah, I've seen a lot of weird what things. A, during, slain by the a, spirit. What a night. Okay, a, I hope your night was better. <laughs> uh, it went a lot better. So I had them. They were there because I think during the message portion, we took the parents and went back there. But I had right, them right. stay throughout the entire thing because I was the one teaching. So during small well, the group parents, time. We did the parents during a small group time. Yep. I think is what we did. But yeah. Yeah. So I, that's what I did. I just did during small okay. group time. I gave about 40 minutes with the parents. And my Sweet. I have I had great support. Our creative arts pastor um, was there to help make sure things, the ball was rolling. Incredible leaders. And then my the resident, our student ministry, core ministries resident, I think what he's called. His name's Lake. Um, he works a lot with me, does a lot of our worship stuff. And they held down the fort while I did all the parent stuff. So Sweet. It was really so cool. So what did you, what was the, your agenda? What was your goals, objectives? For, I mean, we, we know we have some student ministry pastors who listen to this and even parents obviously who listen. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to know what, what was your goals and what did the night look like? And then be from your goals, what, what was the outcomes in the end? I think first and foremost is I wanted them, number one, um, to see the ministry itself. Because I right. think it's easy for all of us to make assumptions about what things look like or how things go based on, you know, based on what feedback from what the kids say, like, oh, we played this game. Totally. And then they're like, well, did you talk about anything? And they say, well, of course, no, I want to show, no, this is what we'll do every single week so that they have an idea of when their student says we did this, they're like, okay, I can, they get the contextual situation of what's going on, especially since there has been so much change um, with COVID before me coming in as well. So I wanted them to get an idea of what student ministries look like. We don't do anything crazy. I mean, we still do, we do, you know, start a delayed start at like six Oh five. We do a giant gym game, which we did. I, you know what? I went cheesy and I did the game okay. head, shoulders, knees cup, just because I knew when I was cutting every single parent resource, I wanted an easy setup game. That was totally 100% engagement. Because that wasn't the primary goal of the night. No. That's wise. 100% engagement, 100% of the time. And it was yep. so much fun. I mean, literally everyone had like, everyone was engaged the entire time. I think we had, I mean, there's 87 players of <laughs> doing the, doing the game at once with parents and students. So, I mean, it was really high, highly, I mean, a lot of people playing this game at once. So the energy was fun. So we built this energy up. Then we went into our um, worship. And then I had a lot of, I did kind of what Frank Gill does. You know, he hits him with the two or three different type of games or engagement moments to like fun yep. engagement ones. Did that and do that every week. But the whole purpose of the night was just parents to number one, see what we do, contextual. Number two, meet me if they hadn't had the chance. Right. Cause you're new and many yeah. of them, there's no reason they did. And if they have met you, they haven't met you in your element. Correct. They've seen me. Um, between conversations or fixing the check-in station and the or front. Sunday morning. Now, or yeah. Being a support stuff. Yeah. Who knows? And so I wanted them to get to actually um, meet me in our context. Um, and I honestly, I hadn't met 80% of them. And so, Oh, that's was, even better. Yeah. So we have a lot of students who like, I think most student ministries and we do at grace as well. A good portion of our students or at least a decent number are not Sunday morning attenders. Correct. They come through student ministries as like a youth group type approach. And that might be their greatest church experience. And yeah. I know that when we did the parent night at Grace, more most of the parents that came were non-Grace attenders. Yep. They were actually coming because this is what their kids do. And they realized, oh, maybe we should figure out what the heck my kids are going to. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. And then 
after that, it was number two, share vision. They need to hear from me of where we're going and what we want to do. And um, the vision was based on my observations of what this student ministry needed um, and what we had to put our attention on. So I gave a one-year vision. Um, this is the culture we want to build, but this is the one-year vision of where we're going. This is our strategy. So just really, right. I mean, good. nothing out of the normal student ministry-wise, but it was really cool to be able to do that. And then I took the ever-so-famous Axis family uh, yep. talking sheets, which are just so If good. you don't know what that is, go to axis.org, A-X-I-S.org. This is a, a free, shameless plug because we have used those at Grace and you're now using them at E91. They are family resources, talking points. My gosh, they're so dude, good. they're golden, so good. Like two dollars a piece. Yeah, for on major topics, ranging from social media like TikTok and, and social media influencers, all the way to how to help a, a young person who's struggling with masturbation and pornography, yeah. all over yeah. the spectrum. It's Fantastic incredible. Stuff. I mean, it's talking about body image on one, and like, and just things. Oh, I read to depression, as, all of it. It's incredible. Gosh, TikTok, so Snapchat. I mean, you name it. And so I gave you those, and then the last thing, which I thought was the most important was feedback. I gave them 15 minutes in discussion groups with literal pieces of paper because the number one so thing- So they were I in heard, discussion groups? They weren't talking to you directly? I mean, so I know. I gave sweet. them- the last. That's I great. Gave, I put them in groups because the number- I say the number two. I keep saying number one. I heard a lot of things. Um, but I say one of the primary things I've heard is they don't feel like their voice is has been heard or ha- or is being heard at this moment and they want to be heard. And so I was right. like, I totally get that. You know, especially during COVID, it was hard to do that. I understand that completely. So we gave them um, the opportunity with uh, discussion guides. And I literally got feedback in my hand, paper feedback. And the next morning, I went through them all. And like, what are the wins? What are things you love about student ministry? What are the things that you you would love to see changed? And right. what what's, excites you for the future about what you just heard? And really just got concrete that because I, I like the idea. I love surveys for online. But when they can hand you a piece of paper that says, this in the moment surveys are better than like later anonymous surveys. Correct. In the moment. And it was just that was cool. So overall, that was a I think that was an a six minute version of what we did. But honestly, Dude, that's amazing. And it I, was fun. I need to, I need to hear this to go better at myself. So like um what I what here's a quick summary of something you said that I thought was so good. By giving them this survey, which by the way, if you're listening to this, uh, surveys are dangerous. Don't give a survey that you're not willing to listen to. Yes. That's dumb. That's a way to make people angry. Um, and it's a way to actually not give a voice. And it's dishonorable in my opinion. But one of the things that you said there that I thought was so good, I don't even know if you realized it, was that you gave these parents a voice they haven't had. Mm-hmm. And what, when you give somebody a voice they haven't had, specifically if it's appropriate, so be careful what you give them because you're you're giving it to them. It also creates a new sense of ownership. Yeah. A buy-in. Buy-in to you and your brand new leadership because you're being vulnerable and open and open-minded and objective. And then you're giving the parents of someone to, to literally speak into what mm-hmm. their kids are experiencing on a regular basis. That, that, whether that was intentional or that was brilliant. Yeah. I don't know. It was cool. And you know, I got to, I gave them everything I talked about because I did a presentation. I did it all through the lens of um, the three questions of insecurities or questions that students ask, which is who am I? Um, do I belong? And what is my purpose? And so it's mm-hmm. identity, belonging, purpose, and um, why do I exist? So we did through that and I did the whole lens of why we need them to partner with us. And so they walked out with all of this on a piece of paper, like these tiny little size of your cell phone pieces of paper so they had them and I told them to put them in their Bibles and every time they get them, pray for these individual things. I put a list on there and Aww. it was just kind of a cool, I, I hope that it can be something that they feel as if they have ownership. That's a good way to say that because like we say we partner with parents, but we don't give them the tools to partner with us. We say, we want to partner with you, sign up for our text list. And like, we don't <laughs> do anything else, which I'm right. so guilty of. I've done that. I mean, this is my so, third student ministry. I've done it all. I I've love this. There. This is becoming the parent resourcing parent podcast that we didn't know we were about to have, but this is wonderful because we're really doing a lot of catch up here, guys. So this is not unlike other podcasts that you've listened to. This one's not structured intentionally. We don't have like the five bullet points and five takeaways that we would typically have. We normally have an Aaron and Jeremy agenda. <laughs> yes, we don't on this one, which is intentional. However, it's becoming the parent show. I love this. So one of the things that when it comes to parents and you're talking about like partner with parents, let's talk about just for a couple of minutes, what that means. Mm-hmm. 
What does it mean? What does it genuinely mean to partner with parents? And what are the expectations your parents have? I think mm-hmm. is a huge question you need to answer and be prepared for as a leader. And then what is it that you have to offer your parents? If you're partnering, what are you partnering for? What's the mm-hmm. end goal? And then what is what is the what is it you legitimately have to offer? So one of the things that we would say often at Grace, and I know both of us very much agree on this idea, is that the best and most important discipleship maker in a, in a student's lives is their parents. That'll preach. The dream scenario is that the parents are the number one discipleship makers, and we as a student ministry are a partner supporting parents in raising their children and their students to love mm-hmm. Jesus. But the goal, the dream is that it's actually the parents, not us. Like, yeah. sorry, you're not paying us to disciple your kid. You're not disi- in the same way. We wouldn't say you're paying us to raise your kid. You're, we are here to support you. So yeah. what does it mean to actually partner then in support? Obviously, there's some parents who are going to show up to these parent nights who are not Christians, and we are the number one discipleship makers. But the dream would be that the parent is. And what's interesting, if you give them the right, what I think is interesting anyways, if you give them the right resources, a non-Christian parent could start discipling their kid without knowing it. Correct. So the end goal in partnership with parents, in my opinion, this is a starter to this point of this part of the conversation, is the end goal to, to partner with parents is that they literally become the discipleship maker. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're developing them, we're resourcing them, we're equipping them, empowering them. And something about this podcast, we always say we are going to help empower you. We're going to empower leaders by lever- helping them leverage what matters most. Mm-hmm. And we believe what matters most when it comes to student ministries is actually partnership with parents. Absolutely. Because I, I don't remember where I read this this last week. And it was at, like, I don't know if you ever do this when you get stressed out about something. Because, yes, I was stressed about the parent night. Um, Facts. I, I, I was very stressed. And I, you know, Associate pastors showed up, and the executive pastor was there. I mean, they've showed me so, such Ooh, great support. The big wigs are in the room. Don't great mess it support, up, bro. But I was like, oh my goodness, I'm anxious. So I started binge reading, like how to partner with parents and like orange stuff. I don't remember where I read this, but it, the one statement, and it was in bold, was they might talk to you, and you might be friends after you leave, but they will go to family dinner with their parents for the rest of their lives. They will be the part of their lives more intricately yes. than you ever will. And so part of our job is not just to create this island of student ministry of this great experience that they can, you know, have a relationship, but is to help develop that relationship between them. That's a, a godly relationship. And it's like, right. it isn't just partner. It's like, how do we help them develop a godly mentorship relationship so that not only are they great parents but they're great grandparents and these yep, parents come great absolutely. And, and we help bring 100%. i don't know so i think the partnership is so funny because the first thing i think of is like well we just gotta you know get the parent that's a christian on board with us you know we're all working right. together but the truth is not like to agree with us or to value our ministry like i'll just as a slight objection or not objection but like a side here we're talking about all parents that are represented within your student ministry, yeah. specifically your church, and we know there's a percentage of students who attend your church who do not attend your, attend your student ministries, they're included. Absolutely. In that conversation. We're not talking about the ones who attend, the ones who are invested. We're talking about your ministry exists to help students fall in love with Jesus. In order to actually have a lasting faith, Yeah, they need their parents are huge into that equation. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know this. We, we've been working with students. We actually had lots of conversations about this in the fall together about how do we support students whose parents oppose the faith yeah that's one but that's let's be real guys that's the anomaly do we act don't we, don't you feel like though we pretend in some ways that that's the norm like that yeah our, we the, do but that's the anomaly yeah because i feel like we always like well that's you know the students parents they're at like odds at home i was like no i feel like we're just not giving the right materials like one of the uh, stats that like has always shook me i think it was from barna is the average conversation about faith jesus bible anything but Christianity in general is 30 seconds to one minute in a week if you're lucky. 30 Whoa. seconds to one wow. minute. And it's not that these parents are necessarily lazy. It's that like one of the parents said, I used to have great conversations when they were until they were 16. And then they started driving yeah. and it took every opportunity away to interact with them. Mm, and then that's, that's good. It's like we asked the wrong that's questions when they came home. We said, how was it? We didn't say what did you learn? We didn't do that. So like one of the things that we started at grace and um, I picked up here was sending literally the question, the challenge question, the one, the thing that we got, it actually makes me be more intentional because I have to make sure that's done during the week. That challenge that pushed, have the students keep them accountable. 
So how are you going to yep. do that this week? I heard that I heard tonight that you guys are talking. I mean, this week we're talking about bitterness and our student ministries and the prodigal son, yep. how the brother was bitter. I gave them the challenge yeah. question, have that conversation. I don't know. I think mm. I feel like we just get super lazy with the tools of that we can give. It's our interesting. Be- so at Grace, one of our, I would say, reformed, reimagined, and reemphasized values as a church. Um, that obviously directly impacts our student ministries is sticky faith. Yeah. If you've, you've done anything in student ministry, you've probably heard of sticky faith from Fuller Institute. Highly encourage you look it up parent. There's a great book um, called sticky faith parent. There's a stiffy, sticky, stiffy, sticky faith student. There's a sticky faith ministry. There's a whole bunch there's of, there's a new one called sticky faith innovate innovation. It's a new one that just yes, came out. It just came out. I actually haven't read that one yet. I need to. Anyways, the idea is that, the whole premise of Sticky Faith is that they, after doing a ton of research and, and analyzing different students in different ministries, the most successful ministries at getting students to have a faith after high school, mm-hmm. right? And once they're out of your ministry, they grow, grow, graduate from your ministry. The ones who were most successful at creating lifetime disciples were the ones who had a five adult to one student ratio. Yep. And so at Grace Church, one of the brand new things that we are going to be doing with our 2021 graduation class that we had that emphasis and that was important. That's why we are a small group driven ministry in a large church is because we want that. We're going to be asking all of our graduates to share the names of the adults that actually had a profound impact on their faith and see how many can come close to five. And the thing is sticky faith would, it would add this clarifier. Mm-hmm. We're asking for five that do not include parents. Yeah. The one thing I would suggest with that idea though it is not a removal of the importance of the parent as the number one discipleship maker, yeah. but rather that every parent knows it takes an army to raise a mm-hmm. student to genuinely love Jesus. Because if it was just um, dependent on my parents, well, I could see every faultiness in their faith. I saw them mess up all the time. I was in their home. I saw them overreact to things. I saw them be mean. Be mean. But most of our students, Aaron, only see you and I as like this really cool guy from stage who loves them. Yeah. They don't see us. They don't get to see us for all of our faults. I'm I'm not like bragging about all my faults on social media. Now, I attempt to be as vulnerable as I can so they see a real person. However, again, that five to one ratio is an extension to the parent ratio. If you really Mm want to raise a student to love Jesus, it starts with the parents. Yeah, absolutely. If at all possible. Absolutely. That's a, I like that clarifier. And one of the things I've always I've always struggled with personally is that I had incredible parents. I mean, my parents were just mm. I mean, Same. When, when I just screwed up my life so royally and I was completely broken, I was the prodigal son in every way. I I yeah. had, I ran. One of the reasons why is I had one youth leader besides my parents. Actually not true. I had two. I had two one was for three months and one was for a year outside of my parents. And mm. I, I felt like outside of my parents, I never had anyone discipling me. And like, yes, parents are super vital, but we also need to make sure that we are partnering with parents The because the, it's partnering because I, what's the word? There's a, a book I was reading called Three Aspects of Family Ministry. It's family-based, family equipping, and then family integrated. So like, you know, mm-hmm. different types of family history, different types of approaches um, that are all trying to solve that same purpose. But the one word the family equipping ministry uses is co-championing, working together mm, to make good. sure that yeah. you're moving the same direction with the same values in mind. And yeah. where the where it pokes holes is, of course, when you don't have a, a student that doesn't have parents or whatever. But right. if you I build mean, a... Th- we're not talking the perfect system here. <laughs> yeah. We're not solving every problem with this conversation. But if we're hitting 80% of them, 100, like, then we can put, you know, we need to focus extra energy on those students that need us, that need us right. in that unique way. That Because if our parents are working with us and we're not working against them, I viewed parents as the greatest, not enemy... But the hardest thing to work with my first like three or four years of ministry, like I was like, oh, just so scared of them. Like, how am I going to work with parents? How am I going to work with parents? Maybe you could have phrased it this way. They're your greatest limitation. Well, yes, absolutely. Didn't you, I, I mean, I was nice. They, they were getting your way. They do what you away all the fun or they were intimidating because you're young. <laughs> Facts and of that one too. Defense, I was 19. So, I mean, I was terrified. <laughs> so here's an interesting thing. Here's a conversation that literally just happened with me today with, uh, with a coworker actually. Um, I got an email saying, Hey, would you be willing to talk with me about a parenting situation? And so I went and spoke with this particular person for just a couple of minutes. And, um, what was very interesting was the person said, can you help me 
how to be a better parent, which I'm laughing going, I'm 33 years old. I've been married for 11 years. I don't have kids though. <laughs> so I don't know why you're asking me to be, help you to be a better parent. But the, so I, I chuckled with that. I said it out loud. I was like, okay, sure. Like, whoo, that's overwhelming. But then she followed up by saying this. She goes, yes, but I just watched your talk on, on pornography and your own battle with pornography to our students and go, I need to learn something from this guy because he's, he, when he talks about talking to his mom and dad about it growing up, I, I, I had a positive lens and she goes, I want that with my kid. Wow. Yeah. Can you tell me something about that? Like what did I learn? And this is actually where I spun it back. And I think this is an important way to know how to partner with parents, but also like if you are a parent and you're listening to this, this is a huge piece of advice that I've learned. And I can just say, mom, dad, thank you so much for how you raised me and how uh, yeah. great a parent you really were. And I always had the greatest blessing and privilege of my life was being my parents' kid. But I would say this, this is what I said to her. I go, can you do, can you have the conversation about say pornography, which is a very shame based conversation that I guarantee you, your student, if they're struggling with pornography is shame themselves more than you could ever shame them. Hmm. So can you have the conversation that de shames them? Hmm. And you know them. that you've accomplished that. You know you've accomplished that when when they walk away going, my parents love me. And they don't need to be defensive. Mm-hmm. And I say that as a clarifier because I think the best way to parent or to partner with parents is to de-shame a parent who doesn't feel like they know what they're doing. Yeah. One of the things, so funny things for the feedback, just to affirm what you just said, the number one feedback I got was, Thank you for these talking sheets because I don't know how to talk to them about this stuff. Yes. Because if we, the questions, right? Who am I? Who am I? Their identity. Culture has an answer for them. TikTok has mm-hmm. an answer for them. Someone has an answer for that question. Who am I? They fi- they can find their identity in something else and they will find it quickly. They will. Yes, they will. They will find a place where they belong and they will find a purpose or maybe th- their lack of a purpose will cause so many insecurities. They will find these answers from someone. I would much yep. rather them feel comfortable enough to either go to mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or cousin or, you know, whoever is that mentor in their life, their guardian in their life, whoever is that parenting figure or us as like, yep. we want them to be able to work with us, but also to be that resource because parents do have the best Absolutely. interest in mind. And I feel like our job is like to give them those talking sheets, let them know how to have the conversation about pornography instead of having these conversations of, okay, this is our schedule for the year. Follow our Facebook page. Peace out. Like, I feel like that's the easy, right. that's what so we drop think, your kid off at our next big event. It's going to be great. We think we do it, but it was like, no, our job is to make sure that they thrive for 160 hours a week. Even though we get them to, and that's if they come for two hours that week, we, our average attendance mm-hmm. is what? Every three. That's what I, yeah, every is right three now. is great actually. And right. so like what you said was so like de shaming them. And cause that then they can walk this like my parent loves me. My mom loves me. My dad loves me. And they can see And that. it starts by de-shaming the parent. De- de-shaming the parent. I've never thought of it that way. That's really cool. Well, and it, it, that came out of, I mean, I'm not that wise of a guy. We know this. <laughs> you know, every re- way in which I'm not wise. Uh, it just, as I was speaking with this mom, I just looked at her and I was like, well, I, I feel like my mom de-shamed me. Mm-hmm. My dad de-shamed me. Now, it was helpful that I started the conversation. I admitted I came out. They didn't catch me. If they did, they didn't say anything about it. And so I came out first. Um, and may, while that may not be the situation that I was sharing about, it's still, that needs to be the approach. So let's just take a slight turn as we talk about parents, cause we're doing, I think this is such a real conversation and it's a great student ministry conversation. Um, you were pretty honest and just said when I was 19, 20, 21, 22, now 25, probably still feel the same way in some sense, intimidated by parents as student ministries. There's definitely, there's some great deep truth to that. Uh, my wife as a teacher would probably echo the same thing to a young leader who's just fresh into student ministries. What advice would you give them about how to begin a relationship with parents, especially when you feel like you have absolutely nothing to give them? I feel like the one thing I had to get is that the parents have the same, even if they, if they love Jesus, if they are not for Jesus, if they are not a Christian, if they are for whatever, Every parent still has the same desire. No one wants. Yep. No one wants to be a bad parent. No, they want to be. They didn't wake up to go. Like, I'm going to make my kid the worst. Yeah, I want them. Yeah. I want to make sure that I suck as a parent. Like no one, not a single parent ever <laughs> says that. I and know. I have nine times out of ten when I have 
every like showing up to a basketball game or showing up to a volleyball game for this is for the you know the parents that are invested in the church or not when i have shown interest like i care about their child they are blown away and we always talked about this is like when you are in those situations talk to the parent so like my i guess my greatest encouragement is just engage with them because instead of avoiding them i remember as a 19 year old looking across the room at a gym and i was at a student's game and I was like, okay, I see six parents over there and just terrified to go talk to them. But when I did, they were just like so affirming. And like some of the parents mm. that that I got I uh, got to know best became parent-like to me. They invested in right. me. They were formed, affirmed me. I, they came like family in some ways. And it's just always yeah. blown me away. It's like I guess my number one encouragement is don't avoid just engage and they they are just excited if you're willing to show your heart yep i don't know that's this is the one thing i would say is that your parents aren't your enemies never never you may have a few outliers i'm not gonna deny that i'm sure that happens we're not all great human beings but i would say this if specifically if you're young and i remember being 23 years old trying to figure that out navigating some of that and parents would intimidate the heck out of me I'm like oh no the parents going to come talk to me Are they yeah. upset with something i did their kid complained you know all the it naturally went to the deep end of, of the emotional side of that my advice one at least one piece of advice would be to remember you need to remind yourself that your parents are for you yeah they want you to do they well. They want you to succeed because they want their kid to succeed. I have yet to find a parent who is not invested in the local church anyways that has said, I don't really care if my kid likes you or not, mm-hmm. specifically your ministry. Like mm-hmm. they want them. I, I, but for parents who have kids who don't go to the ministry, there, there's like some level, it's probably shame a little bit. We need to shame them for that too. But they would say things like, I wish they would go. I just can't get them to. Yeah. And it's not a battle I'm worth fighting. You know, like that type of thing. Parents want their kids to be invested in the church. If they believe in Jesus, they want it. Absolutely. I'm specifically talking about people who are invested in your church, who attend your church. I mean, if it's a an atheist parent who is very much against their kid going to church, that might be a different story. They may not be totally for you, but they do appreciate the values that you're instilling in, your, in their kids. Oh man! And so absolutely. don't see the kids as a a competitor. Our parents, rather, don't. They're not against you. Your insecurities is is a self projection. Yeah. It's not their projection onto you. There might be a few, again, outliers examples where that has been the case. And I'm sure every student ministry leader, or every teacher, anybody who works with parents or students for that matter, could give horror stories and laughable mm-hmm. stories. I have given many reasons for the parents to hate me. I uh, We played a game with raw chicken. <laughs> a whole raw chicken with bones. Funny enough, that the was the game I wanted to do. I'm lucky that the church didn't fire me back in the day. And I look back and go, wow, that's the, that's a horror story in student ministries. Like, that's so you know, there's, good. There's, <laughs> it's actually really funny. So I'm not going to tell the whole story on the pod. Maybe later. But I would just suggest, it's like your families are for you. Mm-hmm. They want you to succeed because if you do, with their student, their student will be a better child. Absolutely. They'll be a better daughter. They'll be a better son. They're going to be a better mm-hmm. adult. And every parent's goal is that they raise a, a respectable adult. That's, that's the end goal. I mean, Absolutely. Some parents have more, their extreme versions of that, like educational success, sports, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, they want a respectable adult. And they know that you are in the business of making their student a respectable student. So they're yeah. there for you. I just think that narrative that's in our mind, that mm-hmm. the one-sided conversation that's in our head as young leaders is that, specifically if you're not a parent, mm-hmm. I think that we feel like, I, it's, again, I laugh today. I'm like, why are you asking me? She goes, but I listen to your stuff. You you know this personally. You can help me. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, sounds great. I don't know why you're asking me. You should go ask somebody else in this organization. I mean, we have 50 staff members. Go ask one of the 50, uh, of the 50 that have yeah. kids. Most of them have kids. Go ask one of them. Yeah. No, and so that's why I say what's interesting there is that the parents are going to come to you because they they know how much you genuinely mm-hmm. love their kids. Yeah. Or you shouldn't be in student ministries in the first place. Yeah. We're on a long tangent there about it. Do no, that's so good. you advice that you would give somebody about maybe how to um, structure a a parent night, what not to do. Maybe yeah. you could go uh, answer that. And then the second thing would be like, talk about the anxiety going into it. Yeah. About how your anxiety did not match reality. No, that's an easy thing I as a leader to get overwhelmed. I, I, to throw one more thing. I think it's answers the anxiety question. Um, I think the anxiety comes from me and this comes from any new situation of not knowing who you're communicating to. I love relationships. I love. Yeah, that's true. 
I really, I really enjoy, like, I get jazzed about it. There's a situation today where um, a young man was having um, a very hard time outside the church. And I got to talk to the conversation. It was a very stressful conversation. That's my jam. I love talking right. to people about that. And so I think for my, the, where the anxieties came from for me is not knowing the parents I've been emailing, not knowing the faces or the hearts behind them and just like blindly that's the reason I needed this night. And so for me just sitting there, just like, okay, I don't know what to even expect from some of them. Cause like, okay, the executive pastor who has a son who I've actually already close friends with, I'm not worried about him, but there's like nine out of 10 of them. I don't know. But the number one, I don't, this is even this one thing you brought up. Number one advice I would give is communicate, 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 communicate. Parents are primarily <laughs> frustrated. Communication. I I, the parents are my experience. Every complaint I've ever heard from a parent, with me personally, every complaint I've ever heard from any parent about anything when it comes to student ministry, typically comes from either improper communication or the lack thereof. No communication at all. So communicate what you're already doing. You're doing great, you're doing wonderful things. And my, I'm super, I think I've texted you a a million times about this, Jeremy, like these small group leaders are incredible. Like I am just, I'm blown away with them. Multiple occasions. So if you're a small group leader at E91 Christian Church, Aaron loves you and is so appreciative of you because I've heard that more than anything else on repeat. (laughs) It's like these small group leaders are incredible. And that's not to say that any small group I've ever had before isn't. But what I have noticed, what I've noticed with these small group leaders in particular is that they're all parents. Of, of, oh, that's cool. In the student minute, they have parents, kids in the student ministry. Not all of them are, some of them are leading, you know, students in their group or whatever. But for the most part, most of them are parents who are just thrilled to have anyone investing in their kid. And that's, I got, right. and so that was just encouraging for me is just like, just to see when a parent does get it or does, is ready to partner with you in your ministry, just how they're ready, ready to run. Cause that's what makes them you know, God has placed them in this ministry, but what makes them great is that their love for this, their own students and the students in the room, they see, they want someone to do for their kid what they're doing for the other kids. And I, I don't yeah. know, just a passion there. But I think you, you asked a question there that was really good, and I don't remember what you said. Um, well, I was talking about the anxiety. Structure, I, I think you said. Like, how do you structure? Why? You know, if you... Give a, I mean, you shared a little bit of things that you did, a very simple agenda, but if you were to share, just give some, maybe one lasting application, like, hey, you obviously don't make, make sure you need to, you need to have a, a partnership with your parents, certainly, of course, but what advice would you give to anybody who's listening to this podcast on how to support parents, if they are a parent, how to accept the partnership from student ministries, I think mm-hmm. would be an interesting question. But just in general, like what a passing advice would you have? I think my my biggest struggle has always been with parents is sometimes it's the first thing to we drop the ball on because sometimes it feels like the less most the least pressing. We can avoid it for a little while until it's like you have not emailed me. You have not talked to me. You have not prepared right. me. You have not given me the tools. And so and how many parents reply to the email saying you haven't emailed me, but they replied to the email you sent them. Yeah. And so like yeah, we get fun. to don't get, I think we get so discouraged with, I mean, I email, I think I emailed 400 parents invited them to this and I had 28 parents come 28 parents came. That doesn't include my small group leaders who are parents. I think I had 14 of them, but emailed 400, 28 came. So <laughs> a lot didn't come. However, right. However, at the end of the day, I think it's really um it's really easy to not value the relationship because sometimes we get caught up like parents didn't respond when I told them to reply to this. They're not reading my emails, they're not doing this, they're not doing the basic level, and we get like this lazy. So we it's the first thing we drop. So I don't know. Don't be lazy, don't be lazy with your materials. The materials right. I gave them were not from the print shop i made them myself i cut them myself i gave them to it but i gave them something that they can take home and apply and remember yep. and i don't know i guess the biggest thing for me is like if you are stressed about it don't drop the ball on this one if you have to drop the ball on something don't drop it on the parents because they're your biggest supporters yeah i so feel like i'm repeating us, myself here <laughs> it's good repeating though um share with us just really quickly the strategic 
reason, because I'd, I'd love to hear that. I think this is awesome. It, why, I'll ask a question and I'll give a reason why I'm asking the question. Give mm-hmm. us a strategic reason why within six to eight weeks at a new position, you did a parent night. And I asked that question because something we did, that is not something we did at Grace. We did like a get to know us, like they, because you and I started at the same time, they, we got to greet them. It, it wasn't like mm-hmm. vision casting. It wasn't a parent night. It was just after, in between services on the weekend, we got to meet with them over cupcakes. Yeah. But I it think it took us almost a year to have a parent night to really gain mm-hmm. that ownership and partnership with the parents. I just love to know, like, why did you do it in the first eight weeks? I think it's great. Well, never done that two, two, two of the reasons um, why is, uh, it was wonderful how it was set up. The guy that was before me, uh, actually, I think like we would we we could be best friends. We we spent so much time together. We got along great. I'm just such a good guy. I mean, he was just so talented. The youth pastor before me, um, and a lot of things that I'm not talented in. Just really good at that. But there is this. There is a moment where there's a lot of overlap, and it made some of the. Mm-hmm. There wasn't like a greeting weekend for me. So with the, I didn't have like a, a cupcake, like a, a, come meet Aaron, like a formalized thing. And so I kind of had to make one and I wanted to do, put one on the first four weeks in. So I wanted to do March 28th. And yep. reason why I didn't is the way the student ministry was framed because of COVID and just a lot of change um, up until this point was small groups only. And so I had not experienced right what a large group night looked like at all. I would have done this within oh, actually the f- first four weeks because I wanted parents to get to know me. I wanted them to know what we're doing, but I had to have an entire month of my footing. I wanted mm. them to, I yeah. wanted to know exactly. So I had better this, understand what you're actually talking about or what you got yourself into before heck you yeah. say, this is where we're going. I wanted leaders yeah. to be, I wanted to build, I mean, even if it's a mustard seed of trust, I wanted to build that trust with them. I wanted to build yeah. trust with students. I wanted to build... I wanted to make sure that I knew how to set up and tear down the room enough that it was my ministry. <laughs> so I wanted, right. cause I selfishly, I wanted to do it one of the first weeks. I was like, I just want to get this guy some, a little bit out of the way. I want the parents to get to know me, but I really, yeah, it was wise on one end. Yeah. I, I think that's, so you still did it, but you did it probably more. Yeah. This is the right word, but more appropriately in that you understood the ministry a little bit more. So if there are parents who were so bought into the past, you could understand a little bit of any adjustments you might be making and vice yeah. versa. So you, one of the things you said to me immediately after the meeting, when I texted you, how did it go? Your, your immediate response was, bro, I shared vision with so much confidence and you were so proud of yourself. Yeah. You were patting yourself on the back mm-hmm. via text message. It was amazing. I'd just be curious if you don't mind. By the way, everybody, I'm asking this question. Aaron has absolutely no idea these questions are coming. Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing them at him. No. You're doing a killer job, bro. No, absolutely. Uh, what vision did you share? What was your vision casting well, to let the me parents? Pull. It could be something that would be good for all of us to learn from. Well, and, and from, apparently for me is I spent, so I spent the first, I got to share a vision twice. So the one I texted you for was actually I got to share it in the traditional service, which is a different crowd. Oh, that's right. And that's so right. it I'm was... Not all elderly people. That's not fair to say at all. And in fact, there's quite a few young families. I actually had a lot of families in that service. It's just the it's the earlier service traditionally. Um, they do a lot more traditional songs. Just your traditional yeah. laid out, and then our contemporary service at the other end. Um, actually, being from a small church in Kentucky, it was uh, kind of like coming home a little bit to that service. I kind of <laughs> love it because it's just like ah, I love these songs. Um, but I got to share vision there, and um, it was a snippet of what I did Sunday night, which was yep. Just the, I made observations. I wrote down my first, um, my first three weeks. I wrote down everything from what do I, what am I note, what am I noticing with fresh That's eyes? Good. You're, completely, you're journaling. That's great. Everything. And so I had a note that was, I mean, if you put it in a word document, it would have been probably thirty pages of wow. student students interacting with parents. Um, parent, student leaders interacting with other students. We had a lot of new guests the first few weeks. How is the first impressions? So, yeah, I was actually reading Sticky Faith um, Innovation, and the first intro page said, "Students have three insecurities: Who am I? What is my identity? Where do I belong? And what is my purpose?" And I was like, "If that's the three, those are the three um, greatest insecurities of a student, or th- questions of a student." Why are we not focusing our entire student ministry built around those of giving them right. the answer to those? And so when I shared vision um, for student ministries is 
I truly framed for parents of we exist to help to, I believe this vision statement that I adopted our vision statement was E91 students exist to equip students with the tools to take next steps with Jesus when they take ownership of their faith. So we want to give them tools for, I'm actually trolling up my notes right now. So give me a second. I want to actually say this correctly because I was really proud of them. And I've slept since um, this night. Um, thinking, <laughs> Maybe you should memorize these so they can be put on repeat. I know I should put it on repeat, but the three the three emphasis I do this are advice to myself because I don't have a oh, yeah. So I mean, I'm actually I just had an extra note in there I wanted to share. Okay, it doesn't matter. But that's the I mean the vision I shared is just truly we have to make sure we're meeting those those needs. And so, what are the three strategic emphasis? We're focused on relational depth, spiritual depth, and outreach. And those are the three areas we must focus on to grow and get healthy as a student ministry. We have to make sure that our our uh, small groups are community driven and not click driven that is the greatest yes. fault of any student ministry and it's also observations i've made i mean of just like it's so easy it's so easy to just focus on your friends first time guests we have to be aware of the new student we have to be have some relational depth because the small group leaders that made it out of covid the small groups that made it out of covid the groups that were tight the ones that made it through were the ones that had community beforehand and then spiritual right. depth we our teaching has to be you know, biblically strong. It can't just be thrown together that week. It has, to, and that's the number one feedback I got is we have to make sure we're biblically deep. And I say thrown together you know, that we week. We had the same question from a parent immediately. Remember your first conversation with the parent at Grace was curriculum. Uh, is, is curriculum going to improve? It's actually the first question I got here as well. It's just like, what's curriculum? What's the direction that? There seems to be a consistency here. Yeah, and so and then it's like making our small groups discipleship based and not just a filler. And so that's right, what, you know, it's not talking about, Hey, how'd your week go? Yeah. hundred percent. What's like, what's your favorite thing coming up this week? Yeah. Although that's community driven and it's important. It is not the end goal. Yeah. It is and, not equal success. And last, but definitely not least is we sent a survey out that I had the results of from November and the number one desire of a parent for their student was to focus on outreach. And I was like, well, if that's what we want, and if that's the direction we want to go in, we have an outreach director. Why don't we partner with our outreach director and make sure that we're being incredibly intentional? So our series matches yeah. up with these. So this fall, we're doing a series on justice and we're partnering with Ascent 121, which helps cool. you know trafficking people, um, people being trafficked here in Indy. Anyways, long story short, I, I really wanted them, to, I wanted to change the narrative. And yeah. it had to be the narrative that I was leading, not the narrative that you know what's even going on what's that new guy even doing because yep. if i can get 28 parents to buy in with There's what we're doing help other parents buy in too by the way they're gonna say hey you i noticed you weren't there did you grab um the the leader resource the the, uh, the parent resource i mean so why do it right off the bat uh i really had to make sure that we start off on the right foot we did change a narrative of this is what's going on this is where we're going and some of it i'm sure is contextual you, you made that decision yep. intentionally because it, it made sense for your ministry. And it may not make sense for all ministries. Like I don't look back at my grace experience here and go, Oh, I wish I'd done it sooner. I don't, I don't regret it, but I think that it was, I, I just, I loved the, we had, but you, you already said it. You had, we had two different opportunities there from we, yeah. we had a greeting. They got, they got to meet us. And I would say we had a ton of parents show up to that greeting where they met both of us. Cause we started the similar weekends. And then you were able to share vision from main stage at all three services. I was in September. That's a true point. I, I did it. I got main stage and got to set vision for student ministries and expectations in front of everybody, not just the parents. And which was live stream. I mean, intentional parent meeting. That's good grief. Point. You could not talk about a greater opportunity, greater stage. So for me, totally. I was like, it's all context. So like, yep. honestly, I would not recommend most student pastors do your vision parent meeting within the first eight weeks. Like, right. I don't think you're ready for it. But Correct. And you're going to do another one that might be a more clearer long-term vision correct? for where you want the student ministry to go. Right mm -hmm. now, it I, I'm not putting words in your mouth here, but it could be a correctional thing. Hey, for the next three months, this is what I'm working on. Yeah. And in your case, it's also very different. So uh, depending on who's listening to this podcast, different ministry context, coming from Grace, Grace that is the larger dynamic. This mm -hmm. is what it is. And staff role is larger. Mm -hmm. 
So one of the benefits of having a parent meeting for you, you weren't, you were in the parent meeting as a person helping me send questions to me. Correct. You sat down. You're never even going to yep. speak in front of them. No. Nor I, did I really I, want to. <laughs> no, probably not. But the point being is, in your current context now, though, you, for lack of better words, you're the man. Correct. You're it. You're the one. They're coming to you. And, th- and the reason why I was speaking in front of parents because I was the one that was my part of my job is to communicate with parents and to be a relationship with parents. Correct. And the directors underneath me get the opportunity and are really more the student relationship people. And I, so it, it was context. But again, I think that uh, I love the fact that you did it early on. I, I love the audacity that has to come behind that. I think the, the confidence that I've seen you is phenomenal. Well, guys, if you've been listening to this podcast, you just listened to us talk about parents for 50 minutes, and we know it's a little bit longer than usual, so we're going to stop this podcast. It's kind of abruptly right here, um, and we just want to say one, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. It's been a few weeks. We appreciate uh, the relationship, the support, the encouragement that you give us. If you could just subscribe to our podcast uh, wherever you listen, uh, if you could go to our Instagram at leadership underscore pour over. Uh, so follow there, give us a shout out. If you could give us a rating, we'd appreciate that too. Um, you can also go over to leadershippourover.com and find more information and more information just about us and the things that we're up to. But nonetheless, thank you so much. We are excited to be back. One last thing I wanted to make sure I share to all of our listeners is that historically speaking, over the last year, our podcast has been weekly. Um, due to one thing that Aaron and I are not in the same building together all the time and have a little bit more flexibility in our schedules, um, is we would do it weekly. We are adjusting our schedule. And so this give you a better expectation. It's still going to come out on Mondays, but we're going to be posting them bi-weekly. So every other yep. week, a new content, dropping content about uh, relevant topics is going to help you leverage what's most important. The other thing is um, we went through a rebranding recently. We were very specific with student ministry pour over in the beginning. We changed the name to leadership pour over. Mm-hmm. And I think it would just be a great clarifier at the end of this podcast to explain a tad bit more what that evolution looks like mm-hmm. as we begin to adjust it. And what I mean by that is that uh, we are going to help you leverage what matters most. Mm-hmm. And our content is bound to be broad. Yeah. But it's also mm-hmm. going to be student ministry specific. That's mm-hmm. our world. And so just so you know, if you are a parent, um, if you are a student, if you are a student ministry leader, these topics are going to be relevant to you. So make sure that you are um, engaging with us. But we just want you to know that we are here to help you leverage what matters most as a parent, as a student ministry. Uh, and we love you. We are so grateful to be able to be in partnership ministry with you. We hope you have a wonderful week. Again, welcome back, Aaron. So glad to have you back on the pod. What up? The, the, the main man is back and it's, I don't have to just lean into my good friend, Daniel, even though he was and, amazing. And so. we will bring, and Dan, oh man, Daniel slaps. Daniel. He did such a good job. But we yes. will, and we'll also bring back the coffee. Um, we're actually recording this at nine. At nine thirty. At nine thirty, and we both could probably drink coffee and go straight to bed, but we chose not to. So we will bring back yep. the coffee material back <laughs> too. Absolutely. Well, everybody, you have a wonderful week. We are praying for you, and we are here because we think you're amazing. Have a great week, guys.